Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, it is whiteout week for the Penn State Nittany Lions. If you are a Penn State fan, you're going into this game undefeated. You've got to be excited. Yeah, it's it's the greatest single atmosphere in college football is a Penn State whiteout. I don't know if you can argue that. I don't think it's really up for debate. The single greatest one-game night in college football is whoever Penn State plays at Beaver Stadium in the whiteout night. They've created something magical that has stood the test of time. Sometimes the results are a mixed bag because it's usually against a really good opponent, a.k.a. Ohio State or Michigan. But um, it's the greatest night in college football. And I've been to one, and I've been to a lot of sports, and it was alarming the difference that it was than anything else, you know, football-wise, maybe not, yeah, even sport-wise that I had ever been to. It's just, you can't really explain it other than it's a, it's the same, but it's something unique, and it turns a switch and flips. It's awesome. I think it's, Andy, the fan experience is so different for this one. The, the fans feel like they are part of the show. They're yeah, not just there point. watching others perform. They are part of it. And uh, I still remember the few years back when Michigan first played from scrimmage. They couldn't get it off without calling timeout. That just cemented that the fans were part of it and could actually have an effect on it. So we're going to get to more about uh, Iowa in a little bit, Andy. Let's get to some of the news and notes around all of college football. Let's start with Penn State, though, and the game last week. Hardly a perfect game, far from it, in fact. But my question to you is, what of the issues that came up that arose, what worries you the most from that performance? So I think it was, it was, it was the, the wide, the, the drops by the, the drops and the missed passes in terms of the wide receivers. That one sticks as me because they were, they were favorable down and distance categories. They were self-inflicted mistakes. And ultimately they sort of, they stalled Penn State, right? They they stopped them dead in their tracks. And Illinois' defense played fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of what they did defensively and the way they played that football game. They deserve a lot of credit. They really do. Those were the cases, though, where Penn State stopped itself. Like, you know, they how do you how is a team like Illinois going to compete or beat a Penn State? They have to get some help, which is Penn State, you know, stopping itself. And those were situations that sort of stalled Penn State and sort of led to a slow roll in you know what was going on on the scoreboard. Just, you know, I, you say that and then you're like, yeah, but in the fourth quarter, Bo Papula played. You know what I mean? Like, you're like your backup quarterback pretty much played the entire fourth quarter. And it was a lot of backups in the game. So 
it's hard to be overtly critical, but that sort of stalled them and kept them from gaining that sort of, you know, you know, momentum where they turned the scoreboard over. They weren't able to turn the scoreboard over. Part of it was Illinois' defense, but it was sort of the self-inflicted little mistakes, and the drop passes were one that drop passes and sort of, you know, as the game wore on with a little pressure, a few errant, a couple errant throws that were like, you could tell Drew was feeling a little bit. You could see it in his face, but you could tell that he was feeling a little bit, which is good for him. He needs to feel that. I, I think it was, if you can get away and be done after three quarters and feel a little bit of pressure, you've had a good day. And it was a young quarterback at some point is going to be challenged the fact that it came in a game that they were ahead 30 to 7 when early in the fourth quarter as you mentioned when he left the game i'm probably not as concerned about those unforced errors when i'm going to include the drop passes andy and the penalties because they feel uncharacteristic of this team and fixable and i don't think it's going to become systemic you know, you could say a few years back, those drop passes were a trend with this team. Correct. It doesn't feel that way anyway. I suspect Malik McClain was feeling the pressure of starting, of being in there in place of Trey Wallace, and it happened. I don't think that will continue to happen with him. My concern is more this offensive line has it really we keep hearing you know it's better it's better it's really going to be good this year I'm not sure I saw that now I know Illinois did things they put the extra guy on the line of scrimmage but there were still issues with the offensive line that concerned me going forward obviously when you play Michigan and as Joel Klatt told us over and over and over again, you every game you watch Penn State, you see it in the prism of the games against Michigan and Ohio State. So that's that's part of it. So that's the one that concerns me is the offensive line. But Andy, you're wrong. <laughs> well, and, and hey, I I hope I am because I think that's an issue. If you have an issue with your offensive line. That affects everything you do on offense. You're 100% you know, the quarter, right. The quarterback doesn't look good. The passing game doesn't look good. The running backs don't look good. So I, I hope I'm wrong on that. But it is the thing that concerns me. The penalties, they hurt. They stop drives. The drop passes, they hurt. They stop drives. But I don't think that's something we're going to see on an ongoing basis. Go ahead, Andy. Penn State averaged 4.1 yards per carry. I love that. That's cons- And Drew Aller was sacked once. And Illinois had the best player in the game on the field played on their defensive line. I think Olu learned a bit about what NFL talent on their game looks like. He wasn't terrible either, Jimmy. He just was – he was matched up against an equal a good bit. And he got schooled a few times. That's, that's going to be helpful, but – I don't think they were a problem. I don't think the fact that the scoreboard wasn't moving or they weren't hitting big plays, I'm not seeing them as being part of that problem. I don't overtly disagree with you. They weren't like rolling, you know, Illinois defense out of the way, 
but I think the risks that the Illinois deep, that the Illinois defense took on a consistent basis of the run blitzing and the box and just the way they did it, it gave the entire Penn State offense a little bit of problem. But I didn't see the offensive line as like I didn't see any red flags. That was that was the way I was looking at it. And I looked through the same prism, the Michigan and Ohio State prism. And I didn't see red flags going off. But that doesn't mean they didn't struggle a bit. You're 100% right on that one, sir. Well, I, I hope you're right. And I think we'll learn more. and We'll talk about Iowa coming up next segment. Um, just also, Andy, I wanted to get your perspective on this. Again, Penn State was up 30-7 to into the early in the fourth quarter, brought in the backups, covered the spread. So essentially they – at least by the scoreboard, um, exceeded expectations. But there's still, from the Penn State fan base, concern about this game. But I want to look at this in the bigger perspective. Is this a reason to be concerned at Penn State? What are they feeling like at Florida State? What are they feeling like at Alabama? Even Georgia struggling with South Carolina I guess what I'm asking, Andy, in the national perspective, are there no dominant teams this year? Is this not a year where you're going to have that couple teams that are just going to roll over everybody? So through through basically three weeks, I don't think you've seen a dominant performance by any one dominant team. No, I, I don't think you have. You haven't seen... You haven't seen Ohio State rolling, you know, everybody. You haven't seen Michigan, you know, sucking the life out of, you know, tomato can, can of corn opponents that they play. Their schedule's just awful. But that's a different topic. But you're not seeing, you know, okay, so Georgia struggled for a half against South Carolina. I think Spencer Rattler had a lot to do with that. He was spectacular in the first half. And they went in at halftime, took their – took their regular guy clothes off, put their Georgia two-time defending national champs capes on, and, oh, my gosh, they just came out and stepped on that game. It was crazy how they went from one level to, like, six levels higher just by going in the locker room at halftime. And it, it, it that was a little bit impressive. Florida State, I always thought they were overrated where they were. I was like, be careful with that team. They're very volatile, right? And, you know – they got a lead and then they didn't know how to close it out with that lead. So that, that is a concern for them. And I think Alabama's outside the top 10 for the first time. And I don't remember how long I saw a note about it, but it's been a long, a good while since Alabama was outside the top 10 and we're, they've got quarterback problems big time. They can't figure it out. They've tried ying yang, a B Z D. They just can't figure out what they're doing at quarterback. So, yeah, Tennessee got beat by Florida convincingly. There you go. Tennessee, shine off of them. So it's not a dominant one or two teams yet, Jimmy. Nothing's emerged to say that there's one or two or three possible, you know, there's three for two. There's not – there hasn't been dominant performances yet. And I think, Andy, Georgia, as you pointed out, they, in that second half, came back. But I don't think we would have seen from the previous teams what we saw in that first half of the game where they seemed vulnerable. And But if you look at Georgia's schedule, 
I, I'm still not sure anyone's going to threaten them until the Southeast Conference Championship game. And as you mentioned, getting into that whole scheduling thing is a whole nother discussion. Real quick, half minute we have left. Colorado, you got to mention them if you're talking about the national picture. Are they overrated or underrated? And I could give arguments for both. Yeah, I'd say they're underrated as football theater. How's that for one? You know, the whole spectacle and everything. As a top 10 opponent or a top 15 team in the country, I'm not so sure. I think I'd call them overrated on that front, Jimmy. One thing's for sure. We will find out this weekend against Oregon where I was surprised. Oregon is a three-touchdown favorite, and I I believe, you know, the two-way player, Travis Hunter, being out may be a big part of why it's a three-touchdown spread. Andy, that is it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to do our Iowa preview. Stay tuned for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy, I'm Jim. With our lead up to the Penn State-Iowa big whiteout game. Both teams go into this game undefeated, Andy. Penn State coming off a win at Illinois. You could decide for yourself how impressive or unimpressive that win was. But, Andy, I don't think you could debate that Illinois' defense threw some things at Penn State's offense that had them at the very least out of sync. Now you have the Nittany Lions up against this Iowa team 
that is known for their defense, known for forcing turnovers. What's the difference between Iowa's defense and Illinois' defense and what they want to do against an opponent? So they're, they're, they're very similar in some respects. Um, a big picture wise, I say that. And what, that's what I mean in that they sort of lean on their defense to keep them in games and provide opportunities to win games. That's, that's how they're very similar. In terms of execution on defense, uh, Illinois is a more aggressive and has more pure higher-end talent on their defense is what I'd like to say. So they are more aggressive and they come at you. They play, they play you know, they're going to go straight up man and they're just going to, they come at you aggressively and try and knock you off your spot. Illinois, um, excuse me, Iowa, they're they're more a, a, a consistent and they they run a scheme. They play a ton of zone. I mean, they play almost exclusively zone coverage, and they're gonna require they're gonna want to take part of you what away, and then require you to be extremely patient and and not make mistakes. They count on you to grow impatient and make mistakes. That's sort of what their scheme's built on, and. Mistakes can come in many ways, shapes, and forms, but they first come from the quarterback not having the patience to throw into those tight windows. You know, they bait you into doing that kind of stuff. That's what Iowa does, and this is going to be a test of Drew Aller's patience in many ways. Well, let's talk about that, Andy. I think um, through the first three games, if anything, especially for a young quarterback starting for the first time, Drew Aller has shown that patience. Yep. He ha- for a guy with a big arm like he has, it must be tough to say, you know what, I'll take what they're giving me underneath. So the question becomes, how effective do you think that technique by Iowa, as you said, they'll zone you up, they'll keep their eyes in the backfield, they'll keep their eyes on the quarterback, they want to... Um, bait you into making a throw that you shouldn't make. Will they be successful with that against Drew Auer? They can be if Penn State's offense is forced to solely rely on Drew Aller to make any hay with the football. In other words, what I'm saying is, okay, these the two running backs and this offensive line, this you know experienced veteran, you know, they've got some talent, this offensive line and those two running backs, this is a very important game for them uh, on terms of the offense. Can Drew Aller sort of shoulder it and maybe not be baited by the Iowa defense? He's a pretty cool cookie, Jimmy. He's not rattled very easily. He's not going to, he doesn't swallow stupid quarterback pills by the bottle full, right? So I think if, if the situation warranted it, I still think it would be hard to to get him to make a, a, a consistently make a lot of mistakes. And and it takes more than just one bad throw to be considered a lot of mistakes, obviously. But Penn State in this running game, Iowa will want to force Drew Aller into being the hand that beats him. And Penn State can counter with the running game and an offensive line. You're not trying to run the ball down Iowa's throat. You're trying to make Iowa's defense less one-dimensional and have less than one focus. That running game can sort of keep this offense 
from teetering towards that. That's just my thoughts on how they can do it. It's about the running backs in the running game being more of a major factor than simply talking about Drew Aller. And, you know, it's an old, you know, story. It's not any new revelation I'm making that, you know, make them respect the running game. And if they have to respect the running game, it will open up things for Drew Aller, right? Yeah. It can open up things for Drew Aller and it can, it can force Iowa not to be singularly focused. If they, if you kind of fall into that trap where, okay, we've got to rely on Drew Aller then then they just start reaching into their you know bag of tricks and go one dimensional one dimensional one dimensional and they have a whole game plan for when that happens they do that's the way their defense works let's go to the other side let's talk about Iowa's offense and you know Andy they're happy playing the game where it's going to be all about field position defense few possessions but is this Iowa offense really just too incompetent to be a a true threat on Saturday? By incompetent, if you mean, and be a threat, if you mean go up and down the field and score points in a track meet game or rally, say, from 12 or 14 points down, then 100% no. That is not, um, that is not. They they are are a little less incompetent with Cade at quarterback they, they're averaging about 300 yards a game. They're coming off a big game point-wise. They hadn't scored 40, you know, that many points in any of their last, previous 25 games. Um, they found more of a running game last week. Um, you know, those are little just tidbits. Are they a threat to take over the game offensively? Uh, absolutely not. No. I, I just, no. That's a no. They're not going to dictate the tempo of this game. And of course the Cade you're referencing is Cade McNamara, the transfer from Michigan who lost his job there to JJ McCarthy. So now is, are there things though? Iowa, as you mentioned, play that zone defense all the time, but were there things that they could take away from uh, what Illinois did against Penn state? Yeah, I think, it's not in their DNA, but I, I think I think Iowa I think what they learn you can learn from Illinois is it no risk it no biscuit on defense, right? You have to take risks to put a certain amount of pressure on Penn State's offense. And Illinois showed how you can do that without, you know, getting to the quarterback and having six sacks. You know what I mean? They showed how snap after snap after snap. Now, in quarter one we talked about Penn State helped Illinois' cause by being, at times, their own worst enemy and become drive stallers. But still, Illinois laid down a blueprint, and it it, it it was a lot of risk, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. How you can put some pressure on the Penn State offense, snap after snap after snap, without, you know, being just the flame-throwing offense that just, you know, sacks the quarterback and creates mayhem. Slow and steady but it does require some risk. You're, you're, I don't think you can sit back in Iowa's defense and just play your regular defense against Penn State's offense. I just don't think you can do that right now. And they're going to have to take some risks, I think, and that is what you learned from Illinois. It was right there on tape, and the, the, 
and the examples are right there and they're they're pretty clear and obvious and easy to see. How important would Trey Wallace's return be for this offense? Yeah, I think in this game he would be critical to have out there. It's just one of those things. It's more of a feel thing for me. Don't his targets and and sort of the way he, you know, got to work. He worked in these in the first two games. He sort of kept this offense on schedule and in favorable spots. That's just what it felt like to me. Like he wasn't the you know guy down the field. He wasn't huge plays. Blah blah blah. It's just like the targets that he was getting and the way they were throwing them, using him, felt like it kept this team in a good spot. And I think clearly he is the you know uh, the best option at wide receiver too. And and I think it's important. It would be critical to have him out there. It's not an end all if he's not, but I think he can help them in this matchup. Yeah, I'm, I agree in that, Andy. I believe in the West Virginia game, and I don't have that stat sheet right in front of me, but I think he uh, they hit completions with him on seven out of eight targets. I just picked up the Delaware stat sheet. Completions, three targets to him, three completions. It seemed right. like he's able to get himself open, and Drew Aller able to get him the ball. I And it gives uh, Drew Aller a second target that he's very confident in along with Lambert Smith. All right, Andy, it's that time. It's time to make a prediction. All right. So when I looked at this game, I was four and four in its last eight trips to Beaver stadium. This is a white out, but to me that sort of makes it a little bit more of a level playing field, still home field advantage. The 41 points they scored against Western Michigan last week. It was Western Michigan from the Mac. Like I said, most points in 45 games, and they found a run game. Having said that, this is not the Western Michigan defense. I think Penn State needs a game plan offensively with some elements outside the box, Jimmy. Iowa's defense loves you being inside your box. Putting the Hawkeyes in a hole and getting them behind, that changes everything in this football game. That is so important for Penn State. And my last thing I want to say, big plays. One pass play of 35 or more yards, and come on, Bo has got the longest run from scrimmage this season for anybody. That's 21 yards. The chunk plays are hard to come by against Iowa. They're going to be tough to get. But if Penn State can do that, they are game changers. I think it's going to be a, t- a tractor pull. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think you're going to feel like Penn State is playing well, and it's going to be close on the scoreboard. My prediction is Penn State 24, Iowa 10, and my bold prediction is Drew Aller is going to throw for 300-plus yards against the Iowa defense. Andy, I'll tell you what, that uh, 24-10, so you're going just about right on the mark for the spread of 14 points. I'm going to call it 34-10, and one of the things I think one of the lessons coming out of Illinois game will be for the Penn State coaching staff who will will say to themselves, you know, that Illinois defense, they tested us. We can't just do what we're going to do, be predictable. We've got to break trends, got to do something different like we saw in the second half, the halfback pass with Trey Potts. I think they will break up their trends. So I've got it 34-10 Penn State. I just can't see this Iowa team scoring many points and eventually Penn State getting to that 30-point threshold. Andy, that is it for quarter number two. 
everyone, you want to stick around. Quarter number three, we're going to be taking your questions, and we're going to ask Andy. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andy. And at the end of the segment... Andy will pick out the best question. Whoever sent that to us, they will win the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. They have the great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, the uh, great Bloody Mary mix. And in your prize pack will definitely come some of the new coffee barbecue rubs. You don't want to miss out on that. And if you're interested, go to 409tailgateclub.com. For all of your barbecue tailgate needs. Andrew P., are you ready for the question, sir? Bring it, Jimmy. (laughs) All right. Let's start with Tony in Philadelphia. He says, knowing James Franklin's ways, perhaps this info is not available, but I'd love to know the team's schedule on a weekend like last week. When did they arrive in Illinois? What kind of meal do they get on Friday? What's the schedule for an 11 a.m. Central Time game? Is it bacon and eggs or something else on Saturday? What, if anything, do they eat at halftime? I wonder, Jim, if mushroom pizza <laughs> slips into the menu somewhere. Keep up the good work, Tony. The whole mushroom pizza, that was the old uh, discussion we've had a lot where Tony fights me on the fact that meat is what goes on pizza. He <laughs> he wants to slide mushroom in, 
wherever he can. Thanks for that, Tony. All right, Andy, how, how do they handle the weekend as far as sleeping, waking up, meals? Do they actually eat something at halftime? How does that work? So they they probably, because it's an early kick, they're going to they travel on Friday to Illinois. Depends on the, the kick time. If it's a later, you know, late night kick, they'll on Saturday they'll travel later in a little later in the day. I'm thinking they went out pretty early on Friday because of the early kick, right? Because there's a whole schedule that you go through when you arrive at an away game, and that is based on timing, right? So they wanted to get there by a certain time. You're going to have position group meetings. You're going to have team meetings. You're going to have uh, you're going to have a rest time. You're going to have a team meal. That's all going to happen on Friday. There is a time in your room where you are to be resting and sleeping. That is a you know closed door time. That's all based on when you have to get up. I'm sure they had to get up earlier. They had to move their Saturday morning schedule up. You know when they're going to eat breakfasts. What time they're going to eat breakfast? What is going to be served at breakfast? I'm sure it was pretty big. Because there's a, you know, you have to bus over there. You have to have warm-up time. Then you play the game. You can have some energy bar. After the warm-up, they're going to eat some energy bars and those kind of things and those kind of snacks. But in terms of halftime, hydration, hydration, hydration. It's all refueling the body with hydration and electrolytes, however that looks. So that's to the best of my knowledge of how it looks. I think what you could rest assured, though, is – the plan is analyzed and put together so that they get the optimal amount of sleep. They're yep. eating the right food. This is now big time football at the college level. They put in all that time and effort to do those things correctly. So you could count on that. And specifically James Franklin, who is so particular about preparation. The one thing though, that I don't understand is, you know, it's an 11 a.m. kick. It's an 11 a.m. Central Time kick. That means it's a 12 noon Eastern kick. I don't understand why people see that as an issue starting this game at noon or, you know, Illinois, when essentially that's the same time they start their early games at home, you know, at noon. It's no right. different. So if if I were them, I wouldn't even reset the watches, reset the clocks, Now, I know everyone, you know, you have your phone and all, it resets itself. But I I would just pretend that it's a noon Eastern game, which in essence is what it is. All right, Andy, let's go to Greg and Exton, who says, Hey, Andy, I still look at the offensive line as the source of all offensive struggles. What do you say? I say Drew Aller's been sacked twice. He's got a, a little bit of skin in that, but I say Drew Aller's been sacked twice. And I say the run game is averaging better than four yards a carry. I'm not sure where I see the offensive line being problematic. Are there explosive plays? I I think those 20 and 25-yard and 30-yard runs, they're a little bit more on the backs to me right now. Um you know, not getting, not sort of breaking free and getting through the second level of tackling, they're still really good. Don't get me wrong. Please don't misinterpret that. They're responsible for turning a a seven or nine yard run. That's their talent. That's their sort of thing. And 
I think you saw it. I could say you saw it a little bit last game with Nick Singleton, right? I think you and I were talking about this, Jimmy, during the game. He was clearly frustrated, not like in a bad way. He was pissed he couldn't break free, right? Like he was still running hard, pushing the pile, you know, hitting the hole hard. He started to bounce a little bit, you know, stick his nose inside and, and, and hit the hole and try and bounce outside. He wanted to break free. He got free on the touchdown run, right? And you could just see the emotion coming out of him like, yes, I got through the line. So I think the running backs are feeling a little more pressure. I'm not seeing the offensive line as a problem, Greg. You know, um, Andy, we did a segment with Coach Caduti last week prior to the Illinois game where he was looking at the fact that the the running backs weren't getting the home runs yet. And actually, and he showed some plays where it was some of it was the receivers downfield not making that last block, which would spring them, them open. So that's another thing to look for. All right, let's go to Anthony in Lebanon who says, we know Iowa wants to slow the game down, reduce possessions, have long drives. What can Penn State's defense do to counteract that, Andy? <laughs> Good question, Anthony. I like it. They can be they can run blitz the crap out of this team. That is what I think Manny Diaz is going to do. You you think of Manny Diaz and the pressure of He's got all these guys on the back end and and the and they get interceptions and they they bring Johnny Dixon on a blitz off the corner and they've got Abdul Carter coming from God knows where and you know Dom DeLuca's you know sort of the crazy train out there. You never know what that guy's gonna do. Heck, they even have Chop Robinson dropping in co- to coverage to create mayhem. But this is I think this is a matchup where Penn State can use all of those assets and sort of take away the run game for Iowa and let it be less effective and just try and create pressure on first and second down more than anything. There's still going to be the crazy train defense that is going to really come after you. Everyone always says, Manny Diaz defense, they're going to come after you. I think they can change this game by being, by focusing on being a defense that can create the same level of sort of pressure and mayhem by by being a run blitzing and aggressive defense on first and second down. They have the athletes to do it. I, I like that, Andy. I like that idea, and I like the idea of this Penn State defense forcing the hand of the opponent's offense, a little bit like what Illinois was trying to do to Penn State last week, force the issue and trust that, you know what, if I have to leave my DBs on an island against the Iowa wide receivers, I'm okay with that. I keep picturing in my head that coverage from uh, Daquan Hardy where he, one-on-one, island, on the outside, not in the slot. He was all over his his receiver and, of course, made the play on the ball too and made the interception. Okay, Andy, I think our listeners must have been reading my mind here because they say the things or ask the questions I do. Jeremy from York says, how big a deal is it that Trey Wallace missed the Illinois game, Andy? Yeah, they missed him, didn't they? I mean, you could see it. They definitely missed him. He is he is, he is, a safe, comfortable, reliable target for Drew Aller. 
right? That's what he is. He's not a security blanket. He doesn't throw to him in bad situations. He he's practically he had practically caught everything thrown his way through the first two games, and there's a reason for that. I just think he is he is a talented safety net for Drew Aller. That is exactly where Drew expects him to be, exactly where Drew needs him to be, and and runs good enough routes to make himself available to Drew when he needs it. That is sort of, that's the relationship I think those two had built and are, were building. And I, I, you're right. I think they missed him. I think they missed that. Andy, Andy, I, I think it does have something to do with just confidence in where he's going to be. Like you said, yep. that I know I've worked with him enough. I know where he's going to be. I'm confident in that. And you sense it when, you know, uh, Trey Wallace wasn't the first option or the second option. He might be that third option. Yep. And Drew Aller was comfortable bypassing option one and two to get to Trey Wallace as option three. I think he allows Drew Aller to keep his eyes downfield comfortably, right? Does that make sense? Like, if he has to move or slither in the pocket and look for something, he can still keep his eyes downfield and know he can keep going through and then look to where Trey Wallace is going to be, and he's going to be exactly where he needs him to be. It's just sort of a – it's like the silent cadence comfort. You know, he just feels that that is the guy that in a tight spot, I know where I can go with this football and be safe. Real quick, what does Shea say? This comes from Jimmy in Forest City. What does Shea say on number 11 McLean, his two drops and incorrect route running? regarding future playing time in the big games. Yeah, I've been asking. I don't – I want to see more Dante Cephas, and I think it's time for him. If Trey Wallace isn't available, I think it's time to give Dante Cephas those routes and catches and throws. Uh, he hasn't shown anything that is that. It doesn't look like that with Dante. He's made, you know, a few tough catches. So, yeah. Okay. I haven't given up on McLean yet. I – those drops, they were blatant. They weren't. I understand they were critical. I don't think that will be the trend. Real quick, Andy, we need the winner now. Yeah, it's Anthony in Lebanon. Defensive question about Penn State. Really good one. Loved it. Very good. We needed Andy to name our winner now because come fourth quarter, Andy's going to be out the door. In will come Sean Gold. Sean has all of the picks for the college, big college football scheduled this weekend. So we're looking forward to hearing those. He definitely has a Penn State-Iowa pick. You'll have to wait for quarter number four to hear that. So stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante with Sean Gold. For more of Sean's take, this is where we have Sean take a look at this week's games in the college football world. He picks his winners against the spread. Sean, week one, you were four and one. Week two, you were three and two. Another winning week. Overall, seven and three. Not too bad, my friend. Hey, not too bad. And we need to keep adding to that. That's the biggest thing now is let's keep on adding to that record. It looks real nice right now. I want it to look real nice a week from now. Just keep adding on. Just keep adding on. Last week, as we said, you were three and two. Uh, you had Penn State, obviously won. You had uh, Washington at Michigan State. That was a good call. I think I think that one was wrapped up after about one quarter. LSU really took it to Mississippi State. The two losses, and I got to admit, they both surprises. Tennessee um, not only didn't cover, but they lost to Florida. Colorado boy, they barely held on in overtime, and that was as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. Any of those really shock you, Sean? Yeah, you know, I was surprised to see how flat Tennessee came out in that game. I thought they had a great opportunity to get a win against Florida and show people that they're for real this year, and that just didn't happen. It was frustrating watching that game because I wanted them to get the momentum going, and they never seemed to have things click. And then for that Colorado-Colorado State game, Obviously, I'm upset that we lost that game, but I do have to say that was a fun game to watch. And so if I had to take a loss on the week, I'm okay with it being that game because that game was entertaining. I'm on the East Coast, just like you. I stayed up the whole time for that game. I I wanted to go to bed and I couldn't get my brain to turn off because I wanted to see how this thing ended. And, you know, I'm I'm very glad Colorado won. So even though they didn't cover the spread for me, I'll give it to him. It was it was one of the most entertaining college football games I've ever watched. I do remember though last week someone saying that you know what Colorado had been 
doing so well, so much momentum those first couple weeks. I uh, afraid there might be a letdown. Who was that? That oh yeah, that's right, that was me. Anyway, let- <laughs> I, it's not often I get a chance to say I told you so. So when I do, I want to take advantage of it, Sean. All right, enough with the past. Let's move forward. Let's look at this week's game. Let's start with Iowa at Penn State. It's the whiteout game, and Penn State is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Pretty good number of points there, Sean. Are you still ready to take the Nittany Lions? Well, let's discuss this game. And first things first, I got to say a whiteout is unlike any experience. I was, I was fortunate enough to be at the whiteout game last year. And there is nothing like it. Obviously, I've grown up watching Penn State football. I've seen it on TV. Being there in person at a whiteout, it's a different experience. So I'm excited for Penn State this week. And from this game, to me, this is really going to be a traditional Big Ten game. Penn State, Iowa, they've got the history. We're going to see a lot of good defense. And I think compared to previous weeks, we're going to see a little bit of a slower pace to this game. To me, that's traditional Big Ten football. It's hard-nosed football. You're going to run the ball. You're going to play defense. And it's going to come down to that final quarter when we really see who's going to win this game. So I think it's going to be a competitive game. The past five times these two teams have played, each game has been decided by 10 or less points. This year, I do think we see something similar. So I have Penn State winning the game, but I do have Iowa covering the 14.5-point spread. You know, I... As a Penn Stater, it's hard for me to bet against them. I understand the logic, but I think Penn State, we talked about this off the air. I don't think Penn State played particularly well against Illinois and still covered the spread. So until they lose against the spread, I'll still be taking the Nittany Lions. We have several interesting games this week, Sean. Next up, Florida State, Clemson. And Florida State is actually the favorite in this game, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This might be an indicator of the changing of the guard in the ACC. Well, this is the biggest game in the ACC. And like you said, we may be seeing a changing of the guard. What I do like about this game is there's a ton on the line for both of these programs. For Florida State, a loss in this game likely means they kiss away their chance at the college football playoff. I'm not convinced they can get in with one loss if they lose this game. For Clemson, this puts them right back on the map. They obviously lost week one to Duke. That was a terrible loss for them. If they go in and beat the number three team in the country now, hey, they're right back in the conversation of being the Clemson that we've known in past years. So with that being said, though, I really like this Florida State team this year, and I don't think two and a half points is enough. I think Florida State's going to come in, and they're going to make a statement once again. They got a bit scared of Boston College last week. They almost blew their season there. I think they're going to rebound very, very nicely, cover this two-and-a-half-point spread, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win by a touchdown or more in this game because they know getting a big win here is going to really boost their odds of getting the college football playoffs, and they've been waiting for this season to come, and I think they're ready for it. You know, Sean, uh, sometimes I think we outthink ourselves when something just really comes down to I think Florida State's the better team than Clemson. The traditional Clemson that we know would not have played a game like they did against Duke a few weeks ago. I'm with you on that one, Florida State. I'm going to jump around here a little bit. Um, Let's go to the Southeast Conference from the ACC. Ole Miss at Alabama. 
And in a way, we could talk about Alabama kind of the same way that we talk about Clemson. Again, is this a changing of the guard? Alabama is still favored by a touchdown against Ole Miss. What do you see going on there? Well, this is a really interesting game. And to start, I'm happy Alabama's going back to Jalen Milrow as their starting quarterback. I think he gives them the best shot to win. And while he did miss some throws against Texas, his dual threat ability, it it adds another element to this Alabama offense. So I think we definitely had some overreactions about Alabama. And it's not Alabama of a couple years ago, but this is still one of the top programs in the country. And there's no disputing that. Ole Miss, on the other hand, is a very interesting team. They've got a great offense, 12th in the country in total yards. Their QB, Jackson Dart, has been incredible both on the air and through the ground. And perhaps I think the most important thing for him is he only has one turnover on the year. So they're taking care of the ball. But we really don't know a lot about this team. I think it's a mystery team, even though they're ranked 15th in the country. Should they be top 10? Should they be 20 or later? We really don't know, and this is a big test for them. So... With that all being said, I'm expecting this game to be a great one. And while I have faith that Nick Saban is going to have his Alabama squad ready for this game, Ole Miss has a realistic shot of outright winning this game. So I'm at least going to give Ole Miss the plus seven against the spread. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but they have a shot to win the game. And I think that means at a minimum, they're going to keep this within a touchdown. You know, watching the game a few weeks ago, Texas-Alabama, uh, I said the difference in that game, Texas had the better quarterback and the better quarterback play in that game. I was not surprised that Alabama went a different way at quarterback then against South Florida, but boy, I was surprised at how poorly they played. I'm with you. I think they're going back to the correct quarterback, but I'm just not sure this is the old Alabama that we've known for so many years. So I think I'm with you there with Ole Miss. Next up, and, you know, Deion Sanders in Colorado, they have become must-see TV, as you mentioned earlier, Sean. Interesting to me, games at Oregon, and I was guessing maybe a two-touchdown spread on this, but when it came out, turns out it's a three-touchdown game, a 21-point spread, Oregon favored over Colorado, although I do have to mention, Travis Hunter for Colorado is going to be out for this game. Yeah, Travis Hunter being out is a massive blow because we have to remember, it's like you're losing two players right there. Your best offensive and your best defensive player is going to be out for this game. And looking forward to, he's probably going to miss the USC game. And that's a big blow for this Colorado team. The other thing is, I know a lot of people are saying this right now. If Colorado had to take Colorado State to double overtime, How are they going to fare against this Oregon Ducks team that's blown everybody out of the water so far? My response to that would be, sometimes when you have these rivalry games, it doesn't matter how good one team may be and how bad the other, it's going to be a close game no matter what. So I think Colorado's a much more talented team than Colorado State. But the hype of that game leveled up the competition. So I don't think it's a good indicator of what we're going to see this week. What I do like is we saw how resilient Colorado was last year, last week. That last fourth quarter drive to tie the game up showed a lot of heart and a lot of poise from this Colorado team. And so while Oregon's a really, really good opponent and by far the best team they've played this year, second highest scoring offense in the country, 21 points is a little too much for me. I think Deion Sanders is once again going to have his squad ready to play. 
And I'm, I'm with you. I thought a 14-point spread may be appropriate for this game. 21, I think, is too much. We know Oregon's going to score. Colorado's defense has struggled. But I also think Colorado's going to put up some points in this game. And I think their offense, at least for the most part, is going to hang around with Oregon. So if they can't win this game, I don't think they're losing by three touchdowns. I would take Colorado with the spread. I'm with you on that one also. I, I, I'm not sure I can say Colorado winning this game, but I certainly could see them keeping it competitive. And then finally, the last game we have, and this one's really fascinating to me, it's Ohio State at Notre Dame. Ohio State is a three-point favorite in this one, Sean. We have talked about some really good games so far, but this one trumps them all, and I'm excited for this game, more so because we're going to learn so much about both of these programs in this game. Ultimately, we don't know a ton about either team. I personally think Notre Dame is really, really good this year and is a little bit undervalued. This game's in Notre Dame, and I think on Saturday night, we're going to see something special happen in Notre Dame Stadium. So give me Notre Dame with that plus three. I think they win this game, but if we're picking the spread, I would take that plus three for Notre Dame. And I think we may see Ohio State fall right now, which would be a surprise to a lot of people, but I'm rolling with Notre Dame here. Interesting call. I don't want to make a pick on that one, Sean. All right, there you have it, Sean's pick. Our uh, Iowa to cover against Penn State has Florida State against Clemson, Colorado keeping it close against Oregon, Ole Miss over Alabama, and Notre Dame over Ohio State. Very quickly, Sean, tell our listeners where else they could get more of Sean's take. Yeah, look up Sean's take on TikTok. We got all our links in there. Our website's under construction right now. That'll be back up soon. But for now, follow me on social media. Join our chalkboard community. The link's in my bio. You can talk about all these games with me in there every single day. So I look forward to seeing you in there. Very good. Okay, thanks so much, Sean. Fingers crossed. Let's get another winning week here. Although I'm not so happy with your uh, Penn State Iowa pick, that's okay. I'm still going with uh, I'm still going with the Nittany Lions. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lions Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.